Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And welcome to The Gym Steak, episode 90. Can you believe we've done 90 of these, Rachel? No, that's wild. <laughs> it's getting close to 100. That's a lot of talking and a lot of time navigating our lives. And a lot of interrupting recordings to go in and help our kids stay asleep. Just went in to Oliver. I brought the water bottle. His blankets have fallen down. And he's like, is that a pretzel water bottle? To which I, of course, respond, no, it's not a pretzel water bottle. Dad, do you know what a pretzel water bottle means? (laughs) No, I don't know what it means. It means in the water bottle, there's water and pretzels. (laughs) Dad, how do you get a pretzel water bottle? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Today's been one of those days as we sit here to record where I told our senior pastor as I left the church, you never quite know what you're going home to these days. And those kids took five years off our life in about 90 minutes. It's a gift. It's a skill set that they have. I'm really, tell you. really admirable. But we keep at it. Sometimes just to remind ourselves that we can carry on. I feel like we need to mark a couple of moments here on the podcast, which is we've just returned from a vacation, but we need to go back even before that to just mark the fact we never talked about cutting Julian's fingernails either. We don't have to go into great detail, but let's just say there was a cut to a finger that then would not stop bleeding because we kept checking it most likely that then resulted in a call to the nurse's hotline that had two very overwhelmed parents. And they were basically like, chill out, people. <laughs> They're like, why don't you just put a bandage on it and not worry about it? And seriously, don't look at it until tomorrow. And just he'll be fine. let him go to sleep. If he's falling asleep in your arms and then waking up and screaming because you've checked it again, just let him go to sleep. <laughs> Which in retrospect, great advice. <laughs> Whoever said having a second kid just made you super chill. Did not... Talk to us. That was a that was a saga of the last month and a half or so that we never, I think, really talked about, but deserves that much airtime. And then we've just gotten back from a trip to Ohio. Julian's first flights. Overall, the kids were champs. I yeah. think they did pretty well with the adjustment and with the travel. Oliver just cracks us up. Like he is now an awesome traveler. He's the best of us all. Yeah, Lord willing, Julian will follow in his brother's footsteps because Oliver gets on that plane, he puts on his headphones and plugs into his shows because we just let him have unlimited screen time on the plane. And I mean, he only talked to us when he wanted the next show or a snack. And it was awesome. It was a great trip. It was super fun. Lots of people getting to see the kids and play with them. And us, I feel like really getting, I don't know, I'm, we talk about how vacations are more trips than vacations with kids. And in some sense, that was definitely true. But I think with all the help and visiting friends and family in Ohio, I felt like there was also some times of like, oh, I'm not like totally needing to be in control of my kids right now. Yeah, I, I actually agree with that. It felt yeah, nice. It wasn't a totally exhausting trip. The reentry was exhausting as Oliver got sick and then Julian also got the sniffles and we're dealing with a time change. And it was just a couple days of absolute chaos. That was supposed to be a nice, easy reentry. Didn't turn out that way. Nope. Oliver tends to like get over 
symptoms like a fever really quick from a cold but then the intensity of it the like sniffles and the moodiness lingers and you cannot get the man to sit still we're like begging him to sit down and watch a movie and he's like no i don't want to watch a movie <laughs> we're like what <laughs> please please child and then julian just is like a little snuffleupagus and so he's having a hard time sleeping right now in the middle of the night and i think we're realizing that we need to maybe do a little more sleep training with him well, anyway there's the kids update but yep. tonight we're gonna talk about something that doesn't necessarily completely different our children yeah <laughs> i just thought there were a couple of moments to mark but let's talk about one of our most beloved hobbies reading i'm so glad you called that because i used to not think of this as a hobby and people would ask what are your hobbies and i could never come up with anything and i think i used to think that everyone read lots of books and enjoyed reading and so it wasn't a hobby because everyone just did it and i'm realizing even like in the past year that like reading is a varied experience for lots of people sure and whether they get pleasure out of it or not or how they read or what types of books they read like it's just all over the board and so i do think it is a hobby because it is a specialized thing Yeah, so we're not really going to try to convince, I guess, someone who doesn't like reading to read, but we'll talk a little bit about our experience. Am I right to say, like, you grew up reading a lot? I went through phases. I was thinking about this. So, like, in elementary, middle school, I probably was a big reader. Like, I remember reading two sets of books, two series that got me really into reading. Uh The Wayside Stories. Did you ever read this? About a school that w- was built the wrong way. So, oh, yeah. So instead of sideways, it was like a skyscraper, basically. I feel like one of my brothers maybe got those books a lot, and I would occasionally dip into them. Yeah, so I have, like, strong memories of that series. And then the series of Unfortunate Events. I've never read any books. of those. Yes, that kind of maybe got me back into reading a little bit, maybe in middle school. And then... In high school, I feel like that's when my reading really took off. I got deep into like the fantasy, young adult, Twilight, uh, dystopian, Twilight, like all of that, you know, Hunger Games. What else was big around then? What am I thinking of? Divergent. Hmm. All those I got really very easy, like consumable reading. And ever since then, I've like, I just devour books. But that was the turning point for me. Did your parents (laughs) read to you growing up? Was that a thing for you? They listen to this podcast, so I feel a little guilty in saying I don't remember. Well, that's okay. I don't know. They can email us and tell us. <laughs> but they both loved reading. So reading sure. was a big hobby in our household, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. What about you? What yeah, my mom, like up? every most evenings, my mom would read to us. So like she read, I think, most of C.S. Lewis. She actually read the first couple of Harry Potters, I think, to us. Yeah, so we read together at night. Like, she read out loud for many years. Did that foster, like, your own reading then? Or was there, like, you just listened to stories for a long time and then you started reading, like, five years later or in high school? or No, because, like, I would have been able to read by the time, like, even as she was still reading out loud to us. Partly because I have a younger brother, so then there's some overlap there, but... Right, but you were interested in it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think there was definitely a love for it. Like, I I don't really have huge memories of my parents reading, like seeing them read. 
Oh, fascinating. See, I do. Yeah, which is interesting. But we, we go to the library a lot. And... What were like some of your favorite series <sighs> before college? To be honest, I'm not not 100% about timelines of when I read what. I, I definitely, in like junior high, had a Hardy Boys kick where I read a lot of Hardy Boys. So really like that. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, in high school, I got quite into Ted Decker. Oh, it's kind of like yeah. Christian suspense often author. I got really into the kind of that. Yeah, we had like his writing. 30 of those books when we got married. And I was like, we need to purge some of these. <laughs> did we get rid of them? Uh, I, I think, think they might just be in a box. Some, or maybe they're in a box. Yeah, but you had a, a large collection. Yeah, because that would be like a regular gift from my mom and dad. It would be like the a next book in the series. And I, I, I really enjoyed those. But to bring us at least a little bit more up to date, I think when we started dating, we were not reading very much at all. We were just so into each other's company. (laughs) Sure, that was it. But it was like a year, I think, into our marriage, and I've used Goodreads, the platform, and set which allows you to set goals each year. And I'd set a goal, what I thought was an easily achievable goal of six books to read that year. And I'm a big goal person. It like helps me, it drives me forward. And I read four books. And I was like, I, that is not much reading. <laughs> I would like to be reading more. And so we decided that we would start reading every night before going to bed, which really was transformative. Yeah. And we really stuck with that. I think a part of that was moving our phones to not be plugged in right next to our bed because mm-hmm. that did make a significant difference. Just the temptation of scrolling, which sometimes we still do on the couch, but it wasn't like in bed right there was really helpful for us. And then we both enjoy it. So we just would like read before we go to bed. And sometimes if either of us is into like a really good book, one of us will stay up way later than the other. You in particular Usually will do this. me, but occasionally you. I was thinking about what I love not just about reading, but about it as a shared kind of hobby. And I think one of the things I love about it is it's like a shared love, but not a shared experience. So like we enjoy watching TV. We had a whole episode about some of our favorite kind of binge worthy shows recently. But every time, well, for us, when we watch, we watch together. We watch relatively little independently. Sure. Partly because that time we give to reading and so as a result basically everything we watch like the other person has already seen everything but with reading there's both the fun of like oh what are you reading and there's a little bit of sharing of that sometimes one of us is like oh you really gotta read this and then you enter the shared love which is a different experience than experiencing something simultaneously i think and there's just something really fun about having a sort of shared affection for something and we like similar kinds of books for the most part so, but I, I, that just feels like it's been a wonderful thing. Like even for our marriage, like an easy and fun, small talky kind of thing that mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, like, Hey, what are you reading? It's been an easy question to kind of go to at times. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. And occasionally I would say, I, well, I don't know. You probably read more nonfiction than I do, but occasionally when we read nonfiction, there's definitely some good conversation that comes out of that. But then I came to the like decision, I think a few years ago, I had really like tried to 
have a number of categories of books and I was going to read this many historical books and this many biographies and this many fantasy and this many whatever. And I just kind of stalled at reading because I found that very challenging. And so I think I've given myself a little bit of grace and more recent years to just like read things I enjoy and push myself a little bit and and want to pay attention to like exposing myself to lots of different kinds of authors and types of stories about different places in the world and experiences and I think that's like one of my favorite parts about reading is mm-hmm. really just getting to like totally immerse yourself in a world and people's experiences so different from yours so it's good to read different authors but I think in terms of like type of book it doesn't have to be education. Like, it can just be pleasure and enjoyment. And so I've let myself just lean into that a bit more. And I think especially seasonally. Like, there's enough that puts demands on your time. Like, one of my goals from our summit the last couple of years has been to read more nonfiction. But also partly that's been, that was me recognizing, like, for my work and for, like, sermon writing and these things. Like, I just needed more, I need a little bit more flowing in. And so then making some decisions, but that, that was like work formation related as much as anything. So, yeah. One of the things I love most about it is that it's a shared thing. I think it both gives us permission to engage with it. Like there's not someone who's like, oh, you're reading again. And it's, it's been fun to share books along the way. And that we also have it to ourselves. Like you do reading independently. And I think that's good too. Yeah, that's true. I feel like we should say in the great book debate of electronic versus hard copy books that we are both pretty generous and that we are willing to read both. I think we love a hard copy book. We have lots of bookshelves in our house, which is very fun. There's something about owning a book, but we both have Kindles and love that you can just rent Kindle books from the library and get them right to your Kindle. And it's just the best, I think. It's amazing. And to travel and to have them on your phone, like the Kindle app can be on your phone and it'll pick up where you left off from your Kindle. Like it's just amazing as someone who doesn't have like hours to sit and read like I used to, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Just being able to have it on my phone and like I'm sitting and waiting for a doctor's appointment. I can pull up my phone and I'll read for 10 minutes and you can like make a ton of progress. Like neither of us are really like sitting down and committing like an hour chunk to reading right now. No, we don't have that. And at the same time, we're still making it through a lot of books. Yeah. So it really can be done in the margins. I actually have stopped reading on the Kindle app. This is a shout out to Robin Sloan, one of my favorite authors, who wrote in a newsletter about things taking space, physical space on your phone screen. And he was talking about his love for the Libby app, which you can have as a widget on your iPhone. So it takes up more space. I'm showing you what this looks like. And you can see the percentage that you are through a book. So recently I decided, you know what? I'm sick of scrolling on social media. I'm going to get off most of these. I'm going to delete most of these apps and get off most of these platforms. I'm going to install this widget. And so I've mostly been reading on Libby actually because it sits there as this little square that is constantly reminding me, oh, I have a book just waiting for me to open and keep reading. And here's how far along I am. And the it is a sort of a digital physicality in a way of that has been a, a great prompt for more reading, actually. That's cool. Do you think there's a Kindle widget? Why is it specific? There isn't. There isn't. Oh. I, I actually have looked at that because I was wondering because I yeah I have a number of books on Kindle, but uh, it doesn't have 
a widget like that that I could find anyway. Readers can write in and tell me that I'm wrong. One other thing about books, we should say, before we each are going to bring a couple of favorite books, reads of this year, that well, that we have read this year, anyway, is that reading is and books are substantial enough that it is actually our annual Valentine's Day tradition. Ah, yes. It's all we really do for Valentine's Day is to give each other a book. We pick a genre and then each get a book for each other. So every year's genre changes. And it can be things like the book that a movie adaptation is coming out this year was one time, or I think science fiction was maybe one of the first ones, or biography, or there was the year that we moved into our home. It was like a book about home. And so different themes or different genres. And then sort of the Valentine's Day card is written in the book itself. So that's been, yeah, that we've been doing that since our first Valentine's Day. Yeah, which makes Valentine's Day very reasonable expectations are set and it's fun because we love reading listen if you're getting into a relationship i highly commend setting a low (laughs) a low threshold that is easy to meet that you both are delighted by for every valentine's day that's been like a massive relationship hack anyway all right shall we share a couple of favorite reads from this year yeah okay you go first sure well in looking i realized that on goodreads i have logged 239 books that i've read and I've had this since 2014. How many do you have? I have 211. Oh, you got more wow, than me. Wow, that's surprising, actually. Okay, well, that's exciting. Got uh, some ground to make up. Okay, the Thursday Murder Club mm. is a series. I'm on the second one, but I read the first one earlier this year as well. About this retiring event community, and there's these four older people who solve murders are very into solving murders and it is quirky and fun and lighthearted even though it's talking about murders but they're very I love those cozy murder <laughs> mysteries <laughs> it's just so fun and delightful and i am getting the best kick out of it so i recommend those it's by richard osman okay i'm gonna actually go with the book i finished most recently which is children of dune i'm i'm quite sure i've recommended the book dune on this podcast before this is the third book in the series. The second one, I think, is good. It got mixed reviews. I, you understand why reading it. But the third one is propulsive and unpacks the world in new ways. And, you know, sometimes you read something and it's like some of it's going over your head. And sometimes a lot of it's going over your head. But you kind of are just marveling at a mind at work that can craft something mm-hmm. like this. Yeah, There's a chunk of Children of Dune that's sort of like that, like just the capacity of thought and creation that Frank Herbert had is just, it's really mind blowing. And there's not a lot of series like that where you can both not fully fathom what is being said and you're just being pulled along. Like you desperately want to know still it's a great read. If if you have read Dune or you've been wanting to check it out, don't just stop at the first book. Like really, I recommend like reading a couple more at least and see, see what your mileage is like. Okay, my next is I'm going to recommend an author. So okay. I don't often go like, oh, this author, anything they write, I will read. But Taylor Jenkins Reid, oh. I am like a hardcore fan. I just have loved her book. She wrote, the ones I read this year were Daisy Jones and the Six and... 
and the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, but she, oh, and Carrie Soto is back. I read three of her books this wow. year. Yeah. I've read Malibu Rising before, but she, I, all of those books are so different, but she does an amazing job of deep diving a particular thing. So Carrie Soto is back is about a tennis star, Daisy Jones, and the six is about a rock band. And she, you just are like, wow, I feel like she, like must be an expert on this subject like she just dives so deep into it and really like immerses you into character development and they're just different I feel like they don't go the way you think they might go they kind of bend cliches a little bit I love her writing I haven't read any of her stuff yet you think I'd like it yeah it's probably outside your niche it's probably more in my niche a little bit in terms of our like Venn diagram it's not quite quite overlapping but I'd be curious. I think you might enjoy them. One day. Yeah. One day maybe I'll get there. My second one is going to be very much on brand. It is Delighting in the Trinity, an Introduction to the Christian Faith by Michael Reeves. But hold your horses. Don't tune this out. This book, I am about to teach a class on the Trinity, which is partly why I read it in preparation. But it had been recommended by a number of people And so I read it and it is both incredibly accessible. It really is introductory in many ways, but it has a depth. There were things, even as someone who has studied theology, that felt like were a helpful corrective to just sort of instinctive ways I've thought about it. And I was recently listening to a podcast that was talking about the importance of cheerfulness in doing theology. He is like funny. Like there's quite a few moments in that book where he is writing with humor and which just makes the whole thing kind of read easy. So, yeah, if if you're looking for this kind of book, I'd highly recommend The Lighting in the Trinity, An Introduction to the Christian Faith. And it's relatively short. It's like 100 and something pages, like like 120 or something. So it's not even sort of a tome that you're hauling around. Yeah, really good one. The best kind of nonfiction, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will recommend one nonfiction oh, I read. I guess I haven't learned that yet by Shauna Nyquist and really, really loved it. I've always enjoyed her writing, but I thought this was maybe her best book. Just talking kind of about a major transition in her life, our family moving from Michigan, which she like had lived and grew up in and like her whole life and community was there and then moves to New York City with her family and just the process of that massive transition kind of later in life and I thought it was just really uh, wonderful and insightful about calling and changing and just keep keeping growing as a person and I feel like we had a couple good conversations that came out of some of the things she was talking about so uh like yeah, right i remember that not often a nonfiction fan i often feel like nonfiction books should be like half of what they usually are because they just keep repeating themselves but yeah i really enjoyed it and thought it had some good things to say well that's great the assignment was to bring two you've now shared three and i believe you have a fourth well i just have to plug i mean my favorite genre is fantasy and so i just have to plug fourth wing because it if you love fantasy, Fourth Wing is just like the epitome, the holy grail of all fantasy things. Wow. Well, not the holy grail, but it is just like, it is like all things like fantasy. It's dragons, it's school, like politic dynamics at a magical school. It's, you know, all these things. But it's great if you love all those things. It's on my list. <laughs> all right. Well, obviously we love reading because 
we've been recording for quite a while. So I think it's time for us to wrap up. Listeners, we would love your recommendations of books to read. You can email us at timstake at gmail.com. Or we'd also actually, I'd be just as interested to hear what your hobbies are, what your loves are. And maybe in the future, we'll talk about some of our others like composting worms. But for today, I think let's wrap this episode. Till next time. I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And that is your Tim's Day.